Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by AJF Plus, and with myself, Steve Nussbaum. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Stan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, Mr. Paul Lee. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode number 242, and just want to say thanks to everyone who tuned in to last week's show. This week, we're recording slightly earlier than usual. We're recording on Saturday evening uh, rather than the Sunday evening slot that we usually set aside. And we've got just the one game to mull over, a difficult game against high-flying Cheltenham Town, plus loads of fan views. And actually, I guess the reason why I'm saying we're recording on a Saturday night is because obviously we usually record on a Sunday, but we're not going to be able to cover Sunday stuff uh, on a Saturday night because obviously we don't have... Uh, a TARDIS or anything like that to fly into the future. So let's crack on uh, and start with our sponsorship as always, Mr Nussbaum. Yeah, we certainly will do that. So we are sponsored, very proudly sponsored, by AJF Plastering, who are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And the best part is, you must know this by now, they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. So if you need or want any more information and for the best plastering and rendering prices around, you can visit their website at www.agefplastering.co.uk or you can email the boys at agefplastering.outlook.com or they're on social media on Instagram and on Facebook at agefplastering and their leader, the head honcho, Adam Francis, is on Twitter at Big Ads LOFC. So for all your plastering and rendering needs, AGF Plastering and a lovely 15 off. Very nicely done. So just one piece of AOB to read to you this week. Unfortunately, we were saddened to learn of the passing another member of the O's family, fan and former programme seller Ted Kelsey. Uh, we send our condolences to all of his family uh, and friends. Rest in peace to you, Ted. So time to move on into the week that was, or the five days that were obviously yeah. we last on the podcast on Easter Monday so a very short week starting with Tahuwe Tuesday the 6th of April as the club announced that the upcoming Women's FA Cup third home round tie against Chichester and Chelsea would be played behind closed doors at Brisbane Road so good luck to the ladies for that one it's also going to be streamed free on the club's YouTube channel so big big game there for the ladies and they get to play at the home of football Brisbane Road <laughs> Good luck to the ladies there. But despite not playing on Tuesday, Orient dropped a place to 10th in League 2 because Carlisle beat Scunthorpe United 2-0 to go a place above us. So let's move on into Wednesday, the 7th of April, and a hat-trick of birthdays at the club. So we say happy birthday to not only Ucise, not only to Jamie Turley, but to also Chief Scout Steve Foster. And he had a pretty big birthday as he hit the big five zero, So happy birthday to you all. We hope you all had good ones there. So love from us on Outlook Podcast Towers. Absolutely. Thursday the 8th of April, then nothing to report on this day or Mooney Friday. So we're going to crack on then to today as, it, as we record. Saturday the 10th of April. Well, it must be some kind of record to be on a Saturday at this part of the Less podcast. Than four minutes, ready. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the week that was so main event Cheltenham Town away and as normal we ran a Twitter poll before the game to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one we had 198 votes in 24 hours a very very close poll indeed with 30% 
thinking that the game would end in a draw and in an even split both ways of 35% of you thinking that the O's would lose the game and 35% of you thinking that the O's would win a game. So very, very even split there between all three options. And once again, thank you to everyone who votes in our Twitter polls. Absolutely. Team was announced at two o'clock and Joby decided that Lawrence Vigaru would start in goal. No change there. Ling Turley, Happy and Widdersson were your back four. Kiprianu, Clay Brophy with a midfield three with Kemp, Wilkinson and Johnson up top with Sam Sargent, Akinola, Coulson, McEnough, Dayton, Freeman and Abrahams all starting on the bench. Yep, so that meant that there were two changes to the starting eleven who lined up against Walsall on Easter Mondays. Hector Kiprianu came in for Usisa, who took a knock in the previous game. And Dan Happy was recalled in place of Tunji Akinola, who dropped to the bench as Josh Coulson and Nick Freeman both returned to the squad and they were named as subs. So, Mr Bearded Lejande, what were your views on the lineup? I'm not going to... I think I'm probably the same as everybody else. I was genuinely shocked and surprised that Akinola dropped to the bench to accommodate Happy. I understand bringing Dan Happy back in, but for me, Tunji's done more than well enough to keep his place. He's played in two different positions at right-back and centre-back, so I think he deserved to keep in place. And either Happy waits to get back into the squad or or Ling drops out. And that's no offence to Sam Ling in any way, shape or form, but I don't believe that Tunji deserved to drop and he'd been playing more recently and more regularly but I like the fact that it's it's a bar in those two and Sam's like he's had four attacking players on that bench as well with McEnough, Dayton, Freeman and Abraham so really interesting uh, really interesting you've got game changes on there as well so yeah otherwise yeah the bench is fine I was just a bit shocked about Akinola yeah I think I along with you and probably the majority of my fan base was Slightly, um, not flabbergasted is a bit of a strong word, but surprised to see Akinola dropped. When I first saw the 11, I thought, oh, Akinola must be injured. And it wasn't until I saw the bench and saw Akinola was named on the bench. And I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. So obviously, you know, the, the famed long throw of Cheltenham playing a piece in, in Joby McAuliffe's mind. Obviously, they love the high aerial ball. So Joby probably would have thought that Dan Happy was in a better position and Tunji to dominate in the air against the long throws of Cheltenham. But, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing if Dan Happy makes a man of the match performance. We'd all be sitting here going, Joby's a genius. So, you know, being a football manager, never an easy thing to do. I also felt the bench looked alright, and obviously with Corson and Freeman back, he had a bit, of, bit more of experience on the bench than a few of the youngsters who we've seen recently, yeah. like in terms of your Sweeney and your Young. So no qualms from me on FanHub. I got 10 out of 11, so I called Hector for coming in for Roos, but I didn't call Akinola being dropped. So 10 out of 11 for me there. Yeah, decent. Not, not, not bad. Not I think bad I got 9 out of 11. Oh, did you? Yeah. Fine. So anyone who's wondering what's Fan Hub, it's a fan app. We plug it on our social media accounts as much as we can. Um, it's a great app. You can only get into it by getting the code off your Orient Outlook pals. We get one or two codes a week so keep your eyes peeled and you get to predict teams and you get to engage um, with other clubs and other fans and you get to listen to the podcast through it as well it is very good but you know I love picking the team and then finding out at two o'clock I've been wrong so those were our views (laughs) on 
the team lineup. Again, I think we mentioned it in the last couple of pods, we're getting a lot of engagement from the teams getting yes. announced now. So at two o'clock, the phone started going mental with notifications. Our first tweet was from Ryan Pina, who said, I'm happy with that. There's no point in putting square pegs around holes. Akinola is much better at centre-back than he's a right-back. Ling is also good in the air, against a strong physical team, and height will be key in this one. That is a very, very informed opinion there. It did, as it turned out, to be very, very vital. Orient Boy tweeted us not long after the two o'clock announcement. He said, imagine happy back for his height and heading, bearing in mind Toza's long throws. Be interesting to see how Hector does. Many fans calling for him to start over the last few weeks. So let's see how he takes his chance. That's also a good point. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of fans when the team comes out and see who's been calling for Hector. So a big, big chance for Hector today. LOFC 1978 said the defence is weaker with Dan Happy in it. A strange decision. Chris Cowtoo said, Don't understand why Akinona has been dropped for Happy, who has been poor for weeks now. The back four of Ling, Turley, Akinola and Wooderson have looked so solid in the last two games. I've got to say I agree with Chris on that one we talk yeah. about not changing a winning side if yeah. possible and obviously we drew against Walsall but it was a team who had kept two clean sheets previously so yeah I'm with you there on Chris Joe Pavitt 0 0 is the best thing we could have put out Tudge's only downside is that he isn't fantastic in the air so bringing Happy in allows us to deal with that we'll be defending from the off and playing quite deep so the lack of pace won't make that much of a difference I think Billy Carroll, GB, said, Outrageous to drop Tunji. If we have to bring in Happy, then Ling has to be dropped. Yeah, so obviously, you know, the Tunji-Happy selection was the main talking point before the game. So thanks to everyone who sent us tweets before the game. So let's move on in. At three o'clock, both teams observed a two-minute silence in tribute to His Royal Highness Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, as the match kicked off as the O's were looking to pick up three points in their playoff push against high-flying Cheltenham Town, who had automatic promotion at the top of the table very much in their sights. Yeah, we'll fast forward to the eighth minute uh, and a huge let-off for us as we failed to clear our lines and Williams missed striking the ball from just a few yards out but putting it comfortably wide, well, fortunately for us. So fair to say, an early chance there for Cheltenham. Do you know what? The, um, yeah, it absolutely was. And, and, and it started off quite high tempo as well. So it was interesting to see. And, and Cheltenham clearly wanted to get at us and get in our face very quickly, very early on. That was clearly the, the team talk from their manager you know, before coming out. Yeah, as you would expect from a team flying so high yeah. uh, in the table. So 11 minutes gone in, a good search and cross from James Brophy was turned out for our first corner of the game, but that came to nothing. Yeah, and Cheltenham, we're going to fast forward to the 29th minute now. Cheltenham won a penalty in the 29th minute as Lawrence Vigarou took out Andy Williams, earning himself a yellow card in the process. And then Connor Thomas stepped up and made no mistake from 12 yards out to put Cheltenham... 1-0 up so I mean we're recording on the Saturday night so unfortunately um, only 50% of your presenting duo has had the privilege of seeing this action so I've not seen the penalty incident I've not had the chance to look at any highlights that have gone up yet because as we record none have gone out so I guess for you firstly bearded legend A was it a penalty and B could we have done better with said penalty Yes, it was a penalty. He's clattered. He's clattered um, 
Andy Williams. Um, it, the, the, yeah, there's no arguments. It's a penalty. Um, could he have done better with the penalty? If he's guessed the right... I mean, a penalty is always 50-50. If the keeper guesses the right way, then he's kind of given himself more than half a chance of stopping it. But it was a good penalty. So, no, I mean, it is what it is. And, you know, it turned out that that was the game-winning goal. Um, and the defining mistake from a very reliable goalkeeper that's never really done that for us. So, it's it's hard to be harsh on Lawrence Vigarou overall because he's been so fantastic for us. But his mistake has ultimately cost us the game. Okay. That's, okay. What it boils, that's what it boils down to. His one mistake happens to be a really bad one and it's cost us a game. So was it, again, I haven't seen the action, so the penalty incident, was that purely on Vigarou? Yes, he's come running out of the goal to meet the ball and Andy Williams, it's at kind of head height. So I think he's, from memory, he's come to, to collect that ball, jumped into Andy Williams and just taken him out. Well, well, well. So we were a goal down in, and in 34th minute, Toza, who is gaining some notoriety, I would say, in the League 2 with his one throw, had another one this time. It came in. Lawrence Vigru punched his clearance. It wasn't the best. The ball came to Hussey, and he shot wide. He should have scored there, that Hussey. He had a few, he had a few, uh, he had a few bodies in the way, don't get me wrong, but... They, that, so that's now their sort of second real chance, good chance, if you like, that they created. So, you know, the, the one nil scoreline as it stands at the moment should probably be two or more, to be fair. Uh, but then obviously, um, yeah, so it, it, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're riding our luck a bit here because they're creating. And that Toza, you know, is, is an immense throw. It's an immense throw. Three minutes of time were added on, and in the final minute, we won a free kick just inside our own half. But Dan's Kent delivery was really poor, and it went out for a throw-in. Yeah, and then straight after that, the referee brought the half to a close with the O's trailing by a goal to nil. So I mean, the score—it doesn't sound like we, you know, we've not even talked about one O's attack from what I can remember, apart from a James Brophy cross. Really. So quite a disappointing half. Yeah, it, it really was. We've had zero shots at goal. Cheltenham had had eight shots. That sort of shows how dominant they've been. I know we've not covered every one, but this isn't a Cheltenham podcast. It's an Orient one. So I don't think we've been aggressive enough. We've allowed them to play their game. We've allowed them to come on to us. And we've been on the back foot for a lot of the half. And it shows by the, by the stats. Um, not the best of halves, as you'll probably tell from some of the tweets that we're about to read out. And, and, and then the tweets again at full time. But... Yeah, we, we, can't, we can't turn up to games and start a half allowing a team, particularly ones at the top, particularly when we've still got something so incredible to play for, i.e. getting into the playoffs, and just allow someone else to dictate and dominate. Everyone, yeah, everyone's played the same amount of games, roughly. Everyone's played two games a week for however long and played Easter weekend two games and... Fatigue and all of that sort of malarkey, everyone's done it, but they're still coming out. They've still got loads of energy, loads of tempo, loads of desire, and a game plan that, that, that was working for them. So, yeah, disappointed. You can tell I'm quite disappointed with that first half. 
Yeah, and that's only the first half before we move on to our full-time view. So, Mr Levy wasn't the only one who was disappointed. A lot of tweets into us at half-time. Eten Newman, who said, I knew the long throws would be a problem for the O's, but how about try and stop by knocking it out the majority of the time, giving the Robins the advantage? It's usually the second passage of play after the throw-ins that is causing the problems. Sort out the troops, Mr Mackinac. Wilco 300 said, Such a poor half, couldn't string a pass together and Turley hoofing everything. Brophy, Clay and Hector all gone missing. Yeah, there was a few in my WhatsApp group saying about as, as, as Hector even touched the ball yet. It was very little. I think a lot of it was going long. And Dan Johnson isn't that kind of guy that's going to win many headers in against six-foot-plus defenders, unfortunately. That's just not his game. No, there was quite a few tweets, I think, after the game that we'll probably come on to saying lumping the long ball up to Johnson against four big physical defenders isn't really going no. to get you much success. Charles' techno said, The one plus is that I do not need to watch Cheltenham Town every week. It's football, but not as we know it, and would hate to ever watch this more than once a year. We need to get some more quality on the ball and create a few opportunities to get anything from this match. Well, the argument against that trousers techno is the fact that they're now top of the league. So if playing like that gets you top of the league, I'll take that. Might not be the most entertaining, but I'd still take it to be top of the league. Springley Net said, from the first half, you can see why Cheltenham are challenging for the top spot. The O's could have been two or three down if Cheltenham strikers had been a lot more clinical when they had the chance. Emissorius had a really poor approach from all involved. The first 45 minutes, we looked like a team frightened and petrified with nothing about us. Not one player has grabbed the ball by the horns. It's bloody disappointing for such a big game. Need to be better in all areas. Yeah, Cheltenham got the second half underway. No changes for Orin and straight from kickoff, literally within a minute, Jamie Turley had to throw himself in front of one of Wright's shots after Alfie May's low cross found him. Just a few yards out from goal. I mean, that literally, that could have been game, set and match. That could have been 2-0. But for the fact that Jamie Jamie Turley literally threw his body in the way of the shot. Well done, Jamie Turley. 54th in. Connor Wilkerson was fouled right on the byline. Dan Kemp took the free kick. Great delivery. Wilkerson got a flicked header heading on target. Griffiths. Had to tip it over the bar. First time we've mentioned the Cheltenham goalkeeper, I believe, after 54 minutes. Yeah, 54 minutes on the clock. It's a good effort. It's the first time their keepers had to make a save in this game. That just tells yeah. you at 54 minutes of what we're about this half. Um, and that, as it turned out, turned out to be our only only shot on target. One of one of the two shots that we had at goal, and, and that was the only one that was on target. Um First Orient sub just a minute later as Tristan Abrahams replaced Joe Widdison and James Brophy moved to left-back. Standard textbook stuff there. Uh, you know it. You can time your watch by it. What? Can we not have a different sub, please? Joe Widdison off. I mean, I didn't watch the game, so I don't know if Joe Widdison's had a shocker. You know, no. I understood it, I think, last week when Widdison was on a booking and we took him off. We're going, OK, well, we don't want him to get a second booking. So I understand why we're taking Wilson off, but again, it's just a it's just a routine sub. It's it's nothing that Ross Embleton wasn't doing. It's the same subs at the same point. And I think I mentioned to you before we started recording, we made exactly the same sub at the Walsall game. So if we were being scouted by Cheltenham, you know, there would have been no surprise when we would have made that sub. And again, we're going back to what we're talking about for the pretty much the entire season should Brophy be a left midfielder or a left back I think we all know everyone's views 
on this, everyone has a different view. I think if you listen to the podcast every week, you'll know that I prefer Brophy high up the field. Um, so it is what it is. Just a disappointing sub for that at, at one nil down, you know. And obviously, Tristan Abraham's now goes to the left forward, which he isn't. He's a striker. He's a centre forward. Um, and in Brophy, we, we put to left back. So for me, yeah, I'm not best pleased with that one. 59th minute, Jamie Turley got booked for a late challenge. Uh, and his reward, a yellow card? Yeah, absolutely. It was really late from him, really silly, I thought. Um, I, I, I actually literally at the telly, I was like, oh, come on, Jamie. You didn't need to do that. It was silly. So he's now on a yellow card with just over half an hour to play. Circum forced Lawrence Vigrou into a save on the hour mark uh, following another low cross that came across our box. And Wilkinson eventually managed to clear the danger. Yeah, 67th minute, not really much to talk about. But again, another example, I guess, of how wasteful we were in possession. There's a long ball from Turley, aimed at DJ, just went out for a throw-in. Yeah, it was really wasteful. Uh, 68 minutes on the clock, there was another let-off for the O's. As a misplaced pass from Dan Kemp in midfield saw Blair pick up the ball. He drove to our half. Brophy looked to have intercepted him. He put the burners on James Brophy to get across to to Blair. Looked to have taken the ball off him, but it ended up... (laughs) He didn't take the ball with him. He was going so quickly. So um, he missed He missed the ball eventually. And then the uh, that there was a cross that was sent across our box and Sam Ling and Hector Kipriano did well to defend our box. Eventually the ball came to Lawrence Vigrou and he gladly uh, um, scooped that one up. And there's poor from us. That was a counter-attack from our corner. So we're turning over possession too easily. It was a simple mistake, don't get me wrong. And Kemp's not done so many of them but you know you talk about his free kick that went out for a throw-in that was wasteful in the end of the first half and and then he's given away the ball cheaply here and then they've nearly capitalized on it it just we're we're, we're gluttons for our own punishment we really are yeah we certainly are in this 79th minute 11 minutes to go second sub of the games Craig Clay was replaced by Nick Freeman. Yeah, nothing else of real note to report for the next sort of 11 minutes as the fourth official showed three additional minutes on the board that were played out and the referee brought the half and the game to a close as we fell to only our second defeat under Joby McEnough as Cheltenham were the victors thanks to their early penalty to send them top of the league as um, Cambridge got schmeist um, <laughs> In their game, yeah. which was against yeah. Exeter, I think. Um, they left a proper schmice in a home to Exeter yeah. for one. So, yeah, really disappointing. Obviously, we'll come on to our views in a bit. But before we do, Dave Victor sent us his audio interview with Joby McEnough. So, we're going to play um, roughly the first two minutes of that to hear what Joby had to say. So, ladies and gents, here is Joby McEnough. Joby, thanks for joining us. You lost to a very good side today. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a reason. They are where they are this season. There's a reason they finished where they did last year and um, obviously didn't quite make it over the line. But, you know, they're a, a real, real good team at this level in terms of what they do. Incredibly hard to break down. Very determined, resolute, diligent. Um, they all go out there. They do their jobs. And, um, you know, from our point of view, we just weren't quite 
good enough to get a result today. I'd imagine you'd be very frustrated with the manner in which the all-important goal was uh, achieved. Yeah, of course. You know, we've been working all week and, and making sure we're right on particularly set pieces, which have been a real big threat on. You know, that long throw is a, a big weapon for them. And again, generally, I thought we actually defended that really well and boys stuck to the task. Um, again, any balls into the box, generally, we... we repelled them and and looked fairly comfortable in terms of dealing with that threat and again from our point of view yeah real disappointing from our our, our point of view definitely a basic goal um, you know we just didn't get right in terms of our setup and then you know, obviously the boy goes down for the penalty in the end which was a penalty so you know to come away from you know a difficult place with that being the decisive goal is, is certainly disappointing yeah second half you had plenty of possession yeah, I was really happy with the response in the second half. Again, um, you know, they, they do drop in at times, they do drop, drop deep and they make it very, very hard. There's, there's no space to play through them. Um, so it's then trying to find little ways, whether it's round the, the sides and, and little passes, again, through. But they're, they're, they're very, very good at, again, making sure they're blocking spaces and closing any gaps. So obviously for us, chances were, were very few and far between, as is with most teams that come here um, and again for me we've just come off against probably you know um, a better team certainly from their point of view and, and not conceding goals So thanks very much Dave for, for sending that across by the time well, it's probably out now actually by the time you guys are listening to this this will be on the club's YouTube channel so if you want to hear the next couple of minutes on that then uh, that will be available for you yeah, absolutely. So thanks to Dave, as always, for sending over his interview. So that loss sees the O's drop to 12th place in League Two. So gone down three places since Easter Monday. So we've now played 40, won 16, drawn 9, lost 15. Goal difference of plus three, and we sit on 57 points. So just four points and goal difference of the last playoff spot. So, you know, five to be certain. So... Still a lot to play for with just six games of the season remaining. So, Mr Levy, what are your views on the Cheltenham game? A bit of a game of two halves, really. Cheltenham were good in the first half, but I felt we were the better in the second half without really creating too much and without really being too dangerous. It wasn't so much of an onslaught of Cheltenham on, on to us. I didn't expect to win today. I really didn't. And I prayed we didn't get spanked like Exeter did to us. I, I was thinking that this could be... You know, if, if if we are poor or or people don't, you know, the players don't turn up for this game mentally, then I I have a feeling that this could be another Exeter debacle. But you know, it, it wasn't, and it was only a penalty that that was the defining goal that uh, that meant that we didn't take anything out of this game. We didn't have any cutting edge in the final third. I didn't think we looked dangerous in attack. We looked ponderous on the ball at times. There was a lot of backwards and, and sideways passing and going back to the defenders who were kind of almost camped at times on the halfway line. We barely tested their keeper. We talk about one save he had to make, barring a couple of scoop-ups. That, that was really it. Um, look, it's not end-of-the-world stuff, but our lack of creativity is a concern for me. You know, Danny Johnson... Not fed anything. He put Tristan Abrahams on a left forward position. That's not where he's going to be the most effective. We had Brophy, Kemp, Freeman, Wilco, DJ and Abrahams on the pitch. We had six attacking players on the pitch and barely created anything at all. Anything at all. 
The one chance at goal that we had came from Kemp and Wilkinson from Kemp's free kick late in the game that forced their keeper to make the save. How is this possible? Why is this possible? Why is this happening? Would be my question on Monday morning's meeting. How are we not peppering shots at their keeper? How are we not more creative? Why is there no movement? At one point, I can't remember who it was that was taking the throw in. Sam Ling, I think it might have been, was waiting to take a throw in. There was no movement for him. None of the players moved. He was stood there for longer than he should have been. And there was no movement for him. So, you know, we're in the final furlong of this season now. It's in sight. It's only five or six games left. Six games left for us. And everyone around us is really dropping points. All right, Port Vale below, below us have won their last five games. But, but those at the top are faltering. Cambridge lost. Newport aren't, are a bit wobbly. Forest Green are in free fall. So... There are points to be won. There are positions of worth to be won. Um, today's loss won't be the defining moment of our season, in my opinion. But it would have gone a long way to being a little bit closer to the playoffs had we have nicked something from this game. And we last went eight consecutive matches without defeat in the EFL way back in October 2013. We're currently on a seven-game unbeaten run. We've won four and drawn three. So... It's interesting. It's not all over. It's not as bad as some people think it is. But when you think that Cheltenham, who are a club of probably slightly smaller stature than us, don't have you know, much better players than us, but what they are is organised and well-drilled. They've got a, you know, two or three decent loans in their side from you know, higher-end clubs like Leicester, for example. So they've used the loan market really well. Um, but we should be... yeah. Performances like today don't inspire, unfortunately. What were your views, Steve? Yeah, fair shot, Mr. Levy. I like your point about having six attacking players on the pitch and not doing anything with them. Yeah, good point. Um, yeah, you know, I'm always disappointed to lose, but I, I, I guess you learn how to lose when you're late on it, fan. But again, it's just the manner in which we've lost. You know, one shot on target, which is a header by Connor. That's the only time we've, we've worked their keeper. And I'm a bit disappointed to hear Joby talk about what we had done to kind of nullify their threat. I want to hear a bit about that, but I want to hear what we're doing to take the game to them, not sit back and, and concentrate on what we think their strengths are. So a bit disappointed with what Joby had to say there, if I'm honest. I mean, you know, little heart, little courage. You know, you're away to the team second in the table. You know it's going to be a hard game, right? You know it's going to be physical. You know you're not going to get much space, but it's what you do with the ball when you've got it that counts. And we didn't do much of it at all from what from what I can gather um, and like I said on the podcast last week I think this was a real big game because had we won this you could Joby could have used it as the motivation to take us forward into the last six games the fan base would have been invigorated by it and would have started believing it would be a very positive outlook and it just feels a bit meh I mean I know you've said it's not over but I think it is mate if I'm honest we've got Cambridge at home and Salford away and we're up against we talk about teams faltering at the top but there's also some teams who are down there who have started picking up points where they really shouldn't and Barrow have really turned turned themselves around and that won't be as, as easy as what I think it is so unfortunately I think the playoff dream for me is, is gone I think Nigel Travis won't be singing uh, for yeah. us anytime soon yeah. um, but you know it feels like we gave Cheltenham a bit too much respect and we're late in Orient and we, you know at League Two level, I don't want to be respecting any team. I want them to be fearing late in Orient. And it sounds like we've almost done the job on ourselves to lose that game, especially in the manner in which we conceded the penalty. 
and that goal. So, yeah, a bit disappointing for me. So those were our views. There's always a huge amount of feedback coming into us on our social media accounts. And again, we try and read out as many as possible. And just because we read them does not mean we agree with them. So loads in this week. Boatsy got his tweet in literally at the full-time whistle. So thank you, Ben, who said, very frustrating game where Cheltenham did the league two things well. Some good passages to play, but again, no service to the forwards. Feel like Tuesday's game is now season-defining a win, and we're still in the mix. Lose or draw, and it'll be too much to do to make the playoffs. Yeah, Sunshine LOFC said, Improved in the second half, but aside from Wilco's chance, we barely threatened. It's safe to say the season is now properly over. Shame, as the season has been a wasted opportunity. Yep, Shrimpy underscore boys would have thought our formation was 4-0-1 with how we were playing today. Lingwood has to be my man of the match for his consistent defensive work. He's linked up play with Kemp and Wilkinson and offering something creative with his long throw-ins. Big Ads LOFC, our sponsor, said late in Orient, inconsistent since 1881. <laughs> <laughs> Orient Meat Pie said, God, that was tedious rubbish. 90 minutes of my life, I will never get back. Two poor games in a row now. Utterly devoid of ideas going forward. One decent ball in 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess that's the worry, isn't it? From going on that running one where we took 13 points from 15 and we're all happy and we're all motivated, it's now one point from six, so it's a different feel going into Tuesday's game. Yeah, it's a good point, um, to be fair. Although, out of that, it's um, it's a clean sheet. Um Gold931 said, we didn't deserve anything from this result. We were told we were going for it, and today's performance, it doesn't look like that. If we don't come in the top seven, then we fouled for what the board, for, for what the board expected. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Obviously, you know, we had Nigel on the podcast. He said he wanted top seven. That was what Jovi had been set to do. So if we don't get top seven, it'd be interesting to see what the board feel is the right way to go for next season. Freddie Nathan. Freddie Nathan, welcome to the party, pal. Says, what a feeble way to finish the season. Quaking in their boots because of a big, strong side. Embarrassing. Dan Alton, 2590, said, should have lost by more. Awful mindset from the off. and must not lose game. And we played for a draw. No idea going forward. Poor at the back. Lost the midfield battle. Questions should be asked of McEnough after that. We desperately needed a goal and had no clue what to do. But just to temper all of this a bit, yesterday wasn't very good, but we've lost two in nine. I don't think that's a particularly bad record. And we are still mathematically in with a chance of the playoffs. Just, yeah, throw, just but, throwing you know, the alternative football, out there. Football is a very, I know what you're saying, but football is a hard game where, you know, with, with six games left, it's hard to look at the bigger picture. If this was the first nine games of the season, you'd be going, that's not a bad start to a season. But unfortunately, from with the position where Joby was coming from, even though he's done very well, I think he's done, I think Joby McEnough will get the job, but that's a discussion for a different podcast in the future. Um, but when he's got to be winning these games, every draw and loss counts against him to a certain extent um, with the fan base. Let's LK52, unless I've missed one. Record no, is it Red Blue? we're being kind, they scored a penalty from a mistake from our keeper. But in reality, playing like that, we could have been in 2051 and still not <laughs> scored. Need to actually create chances to win football games rather than constant slow build up play between the back four. Les LK 52 said, absolute garbage. Said last week, forget the playoffs, I'll say it louder now. We are going in the same direction as when Ross was the boss. Just not good enough. 
Please, please, can we get in a proper manager? I can't watch much more of this dross. Yeah, that's okay. You did call it last week, my friend. Time will tell. SR Barber, 1986, said better second half, but another game with three up front, and we created nothing. Too much respect given in the first half. If they are the top team, it really does show how average this league is and what an opportunity we may have missed this season to go up. Steve Forecast said, I thought we did okay. Not much shape, but that happens when we play good sides, and Cheltenham are certainly a better side than us. Second half was much better. I think they only had two shots on target to our one and we lost to a penalty that wasn't a penalty. That's interesting because I disagree with that. I think it was, Steve, but fair enough. Essex biz, so the normally positive Mr McIntyre said, utter dross, typical, typical Orient, going out with a whimper, two shots on target in the last two games and that's meant to be going for it. I can't wait to get most of these players out the door because they're simply not good enough. Massive, massive rebuild next season I mean again probably for another podcast everyone talks about a massive rebuild next season I, I can't I can't see many players leaving I can't see it really everyone keeps talking about a massive re- rebuild you've got to think are the players who you definitely want gone will they definitely go and again we can talk about this I guess before we but, close the season but I think you know Coulson yeah gone Dayton yeah probably gone apart from that you go Widowson who was in the red list must now be at least Amber because he's starting every game yeah. Jamie Curley who a month ago was out the door is now definitely an Amber he's back in the game yeah. Sam Link is anyone's guess God knows what's going to happen with Samling, whether he's red, amber or green. Craig Clay will get offered a contract. Brophy will get offered a contract. Riggle will get offered a contract. Johnson will get offered a contract. Wilkinson will get offered a contract. Oose is, on, Oose is under contract. Hector has signed one. Tunji's on loan. Thompson is under contract. Yeah. Uh, and if I've missed anyone, then they're under contract probably. But I mean, no I don't think, I don't think it's going to be a massive rebuilding because I think all the players who have played this season will end up being offered a contract and it'll be on them it won't be on the club whether, whether they sign or it'll be down to that individual player so yeah some, the summer is going to be massively important but I think before people talk about the summer I think Nigel and the boys have really got to sort out who they envisage taking this club forward before they can really go forward as a, as a collective and go right what, what style of football do we want to play and where do we want to take Lake Norrie yeah it's some really interesting points that you make there. Sam Sargent and Ruel Sotorio, I think, are both... Well, Ruel definitely is. I'm pretty sure Sam Sargent's under contract for another season as well. But I think the mainstay of the point that I want to make is the fact that, yes, we've offered Vigarou, uh, or, or will have offered Vigarou if we're clever enough, Vigarou, the Brophys, the DJs, the Wilkinsons. The question is, is do they want to sign for Leighton Orient Football Club? Or, Absolutely. Or could they... Could they be at a higher club? Signed for later on because Ross Embleton. Yeah, yeah, precisely. That's not not a lie. That's that's why he signed. So given the performances that Lars Figaro has given for Leighton Orient, I would be surprised if there isn't at least one or two League One clubs sniffing around. Hundred percent. 100%. 100%. Lawrence Figaro is a good first choice League One goalkeeper for any club in that division. So it would not be surprising to me if he isn't on his way to or will go to a League One club. You may argue Brophy as well, DJ as well, given uh, what he's done this season. Maybe Connor. Connor's in double figures for his goals for the season, so wouldn't surprise me if a club that are looking to push on a little bit next season uh, would sign him free free contract, uh, free transfer. So, yeah, it's just a question of whether or not these players want to stay at Leighton Orient. At the moment, we don't have a manager for next season because our current manager 
He's yeah, an interim I think, manager. I think that's, I so, think a, so who are they signing for? Man. Who are they signing for? There's some big calls to be made. I think, you know, like anything, if you throw enough money at it, it will stick. So I guess it depends on what the board are offering these players and if they're getting better offers elsewhere. But yeah, well, some big contracts. I mean, Dan Happy, again, you know, been offered a contract. Will he stay? Yeah. You'd like to think so, but you don't know. So time will tell. Time will tell. And I'm sure we'll be able to dedicate a lot more of the podcast within the season towards it. Hopefully, when we know yeah. who our manager will be. So Orient underscore Ed said it as is the Orient way. One step forward, three steps back. Okay. Cheltenham are a good side, but the amount of times we've passed it sideways and backwards and one or down with 86 minutes on the clock was frankly disgraceful. Sorry, Back just to, to square one. Oh, Orient Ed was being so kind of positive yeah. over the last couple of weeks and we've lost all. Ed. Yeah, we've lost him. We'll get him back, don't worry. I think just, just to just to go back to your point about the contract as well, is will the club be offering them less money given the amount of loss that we've made this season or will they be offering them more money with a view to having a big push next season? You know, there's some big sides coming down potentially next season from League One um, as you well. So on. You're spot on with that. It's League. One of the reasons why I think Travis has gone so big again out of the division because you look at it now and there's no big... There's, the big boys have all quite under-delivered this season. Bradford have had a shocker, although they may end up in the playoffs. Salford have had a terrible oh, season given how much money they've pumped into it and they may come back to get in the playoffs. Forest Green Rovers have pumped a lot of money into it and are fading like a flower. Bolton had an awful start. They may end up going up, but if they don't, they'll be in next season. And then you've got some big boys who potentially might come down into this division again, make it a much harder division to get out of again than what it has been this season. So, yeah, very, very, you know, it's a very big couple of weeks for all involved with Leighton Orient. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. So we've gone off on a three or four minute tangent there talking about contracts, but I think you're right. It is one for the end of the season. So we're going to move on then and move back to our uh, our views, that have, back to fan views that have come in. And LOFC underscore Dan is the next one. He says, the fact that Abrahams was subbed on to go and play left wing and not get any long balls towards him. If we needed anyone for creativity, surely Dennis or Freeman would have come to take temp- to take Kemp's spot and he'd be out there. Baffling decision. That's a great call. I think if you are going to bring on a left forward, you bring on Dennis, you don't bring on Abrahams. Um, and again, just going back to your point, and I won't go back to it much more, but anyone who listens or doesn't know why we mention so many tweets, this is why we do, because it puts you on to other talking points. Because without the tweets, we wouldn't have actually come full circle talking about contracts or talking about Louis Dennis coming on instead of James Brophy. Mm. So that's kind of one of the reasons why we we mention the tweets as we do because they can lead on to that further discussion. But yeah, for me that's a great that's a great point. You know, Dennis or Freeman definitely should have come on ahead of Abrahams in that position. One nine six five AC eighteen eighty one to the last twenty minutes we should have pressed much more. No ambition going forward, sideways, backwards, sideways, back to Ross's risk free football. Yeah, there was a lot of that type of passing which is really frustrating especially when you're 1-0 down it's fine when you're winning but not when you're 1-0 down the tipping tin he tweeted in said no shame in losing 1-0 against a good side but further proof that we cannot build a side around Clay he's one. He's a wonderful pro etc etc but he's not at the races in any games against good sides at this level I mean yeah as you take a high level overview you lose 1-0 to top of the league side that's fine but then when you kind of take the lid off and have a look underneath and see what's going on inside and you see that you've had one shot on target the whole game and yeah the rest of it makes up the fact that it's just it just wasn't very good and he isn't good enough 
here. Good point. John W. Nine nine nine. So he could have played until midnight and not scored. As always, throughout the season, we have one way of playing and no plan B. Playoffs have gone now, so let's appoint Joby and build a new squad for next season. Major rebuild required. Salt Trios said Turley into Kemp, Kemp back to Turley, into Happy, back to Turley, out to Brophy, back to Turley, punt forward to Wilkinson, laid back to Turley, inside to Ling, rolled across to Happy, who lays it back to Turley. And that's out for a throw. Repeat. That's a brilliant Very tweet. Good. That is a brilliant, brilliant tweet. <laughs> Very good. Bog standard T1, a new Twitter handle. Yeah, uh, both of them. The, the frustration is that Cheltenham weren't that good. We were terrible. Reverting to the bad old days of pumping the ball forward from the back. No midfield spark. Pretty much like the ball draw on Monday. Speno011 said, we just can't do it or turn up when it matters. I think that tells us the season is over. Just haven't got enough. Were Cheltenham world beaters? Absolutely not. It was a game we could have got something from. But overall, we got what we deserve. No plan B, C or Z. Poor Unscored Warhouse. What a gutless performance. No attempt to try and get anything out of the game. Players are scared to play offensively. Last two games have blown any chance of the playoffs. And I'm not sure Joby is the right guy for the rebuild. Paul Ravens, 39, said, Mackinough not keeping his promises. He said he wants to play on our terms. And yet here we've watched the game where we've quite clearly set up to nullify Cheltenham and try not to lose. Pathetic. I'm not sold on him at all. Great point about trying to nullify Cheltenham and not playing to us. I like that one. Dave M1812 says, a bit better in the last 30 minutes, but basically not good enough. Absolutely no creativity in midfield and relying on a Cheltenham mistake. Yet another game where their keeper wasn't really tested. Needs to win on Tuesday and Joby has to go for broke and play himself. Time for a clear up. Molly Folly 2019 said, season over. I'm upset with Joby's tactics today, so a question mark hangs over him. What's clear is the complete hash the board have made of this season. What did they expect would happen with 20 players out of contract and no clear management direction? Poor decisions have cost us. Ian Hutchison, 08, is so disappointing. One team with a game plan and the other with not a clue. No chances created. Ultra slow approach and clueless in the final third. Why are we so content with our back four constantly playing side to side across the line? Possession stats do not win games. Conway underscore Nigel said, I'm done. Just can't watch any more of this turgid, boring uninspiring football my tenor is staying firmly in my pocket Tuesday I think it's going to be Coronation Street instead God things aren't that bad Nigel Nigel you know you'll be there with your tenor flapping around going straight into the pockets of later on on Tuesday Pandemonium 1881 so I'll say this again and I was right they are a League 2 savvy side fast start launch it forward quick Long throws, corners, get your goal and zip up at the back. The first half we didn't compete and I believe the penalty was debatable. Second period we showed up and had far more of the ball but didn't show enough quality in the final third. I don't mind at times pumping it forward if there was a lack of movement at the top of the midfield third but we have to pick up second balls to create chances and hurt the opposition. The real letdown was Monday. Yeah, absolutely. Kid Samson O said another turgid game with barely a shot registered. Virtually all of our games are low margin bore fests with zero entertainment value. Midfielders are afraid to break into the box. Uh, fullbacks who don't cross the halfway line. Aimless lumping of the ball to DJ. Boring. Gorillas, 1985. So it's not all doom and gloom. We lost but only just to keep the best team in the league. Teams above us to keep drawing and losing as well. Forest Green, Newport and Markham are out of form. One on Tuesday and we are still in this. Yeah, and the final word this week goes to Terence Coates too, who said that was poor today. 
Turley, Wilkinson, Clay and Ling look well off the pace. Everyone looked tired. But when all teams are in the same boat, it's not an acceptable excuse. But after a narrow loss to now league leaders, Joby's record so far is still respectable. And that's a really good point. I agree with the no excuses bit. We're all in the same boat. Um, some teams go into each game uh, with the t- high tempo, the energy and a huge desire to win. And we don't, we don't always do that. And that's why we're not in the top seven. And that's why we're not taking games to the likes of Cheltenham, for example. So you're right, though, Steve. It's going to be tough coming up, though, against the likes of Cambridge. We've got Salford at the end of the season. We've got Carlisle last home game of the season. So we've not got the easiest of run-ins, but it will be a season-defining run-in to see whether or not we are good enough to creep into the playoffs. Yeah, good point. And lots of good points made in your tweets. So thanks to everyone who sent us their tweets. And let us know if you agree or disagree with any tweets. You can tweet us at Orient Outlook or you can email us at orientoutlook at outlook.com. We're also on Facebook at Orient Outlook Podcast. And we are on Instagram at Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast absolutely so this season we've had a uh, a very welcomed addition to the orient outlook podcast family in at design cabby they sponsor adam and the team's um uh, sponsor the sorry not adam james and the team sponsor the prediction league update so design cabby specializing company branding advertising print digital and logo design with all orient fans getting a 15 percent discount from his services you can find james on social media just look for design cabby on twitter facebook and instagram you can email james now hello at jamescadby.com we're delighted you're with us james and well done to shrimpy underscore boy and deward underscore seven who both correctly predicted that Leighton Orient would lose 1-0, so you both get three points. So that means the design can be prediction league. The top of it looks like this. 29 points, still Dan Alton. Looks like he might just snatch this. 26 points is David Landau, 17. And on 23 points is John Ban 6306547 and also at Wadsey. So thanks to everyone who took the time to tweet us with their prediction this week so I guess it's just over an hour no just coming up to the 50th minute 50th minute amazing so coming up to 50 minutes since so like we said at the top this is being recorded on the Saturday night so no news to report on Sunday because it hasn't happened yet so fantasy football update Eddie Pierce is top of the Orient Outlook podcast fantasy football league he's got 1938 points he's 8 points ahead of Billy Ricky Dickey in 2nd place at the time of recording I am in 65th place out of 295 players mm. so not all bad so Dumb times well. positive and negatives of the week so I'll do the positive yep. the one positive we've got I had this been recorded on Sunday night it may be you know, another positive if the ladies win but we obviously we don't know about that at this point in time so the only positive is the return of Nick Freeman and Josh Coulson to the match day squad obviously strengthening our bench and getting a bit more experience on it so that's the only positive we've got for the last five days and you can see we're struggling for positives this week but we've got a few negatives yeah. we've rounded them up though uh, the loss to Cheltenham Obviously, um, lots of different things in that game that we could pick out. Uh, We could probably be here and do another hour's podcast on that alone, but we're not going to do that. We've dropped to 12th in League 2. Now we were 10th, sorry, 9th this time on 
Monday, but obviously uh, losses and other results around us. And one effort on target in two games. That's 180 minutes of football, and we've only had one effort on target. Yeah, so moving on to Hero of the Week. And unfortunately, we've only one game to talk about, and a pretty non-eventful game if you're an Oyek fan. There is no Hero of the Week this week. So I think for the third time in Orient Outlook podcast history, the tumbleweed flows as the Hero of the Week goes unclaimed <laughs> yet again. So let's move on into next week's fixture. So back to a busy week of football as we are now trill and truly into the final stages of the season. We've got a game on Tuesday and a game on Saturday. So first up, we travel to Harrogate Town on Tuesday, the 13th of April. So this was supposed to be played, I think, in February. It got called off, if you remember. Um, yeah. quite a few weeks ago. So Harrogate, been a bit freeful the last couple of weeks. They lost 2-1 to Bolton uh, earlier today, on Saturday, despite taking an early lead. They're currently 17th place in League 2, so a respectful first season in League 4. Yeah. Would have not done too badly. But currently, at the last five, they've lost four and drawn one. So great time to be playing Harrogate. Absolutely. Then we entertain Barrow on Saturday the 17th of April. The kickoff time of this one is yet to be confirmed. And this is because the EFL announced earlier today uh, on Saturday as we record this that all games, EFL games, will now have a new kickoff time due to the Duke of Edinburgh's funeral now taking place on Saturday at 3 o'clock as well. So we're just waiting for a new time for that one. Barrow drew 2 all with Carlisle today in the Cumbria derby. They sit 21st place in the league, having won one, drawn two and lost two of their last five games. And a good first season for them, arguably, in the, uh, in the Football League. Yeah, I mean, you'd ha- you'd have to say you need maximum points out of those games. We have to go yeah. to Harrogate and we have to take the game to Barrow at our place. None of this sitting back, patient football. We've got to go for it against two teams. We're above them in the table. Got the better squads, got the better players. I want to see us go for it um, and hopefully, you know, be reinvigorated as we sit in on out the podcast towers next Sunday. And, Things to mention, obviously, because we are recording this so early. By the time the podcast goes out, the ladies would have been in the FA Cup third round action. So we wish them good luck for the game uh, tomorrow or Sunday by the time this pod goes out. And if they do win, don't forget, they get to play West Ham ladies next Sunday. So hopefully, you know, we'll be talking about two wins for the ladies in next week's podcast. Absolutely. Good luck to the ladies there. There's also the Club AGM on Wednesday, the 14th of April. Uh, They're pretty much, you've only got, if you've got shares in it, you can attend. And if you haven't, you can't. So looking forward to seeing what the club are able to announce and release off the back of that meeting. That's Wednesday, the 14th of April. Yeah, last week they live. They think they live streamed it from what I from what I remember. So we'll see what happens with that one. And just before we bid you a farewell, don't forget for the best plastering and rendering prices around, go visit OJF Plastering on Facebook, on Instagram, or go and search Big Ads LFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs. Absolutely beautiful. So that is it. Thank you very much indeed for joining us this week in episode number 242. And after a disappointing defeat to promotion candidates Cheltenham Town, we still have it all to play for with six games left to play and stringing results against two teams who are at the wrong end of the table could spur a late charge into the playoff spots given how poor the form of both Newport and Forest Green have been at the moment. We hope we'll be talking about two wins, six points and lots more in next week's show. 
in what we see as two very winnable games. Yeah, so if you listen on iTunes, please subscribe, give our podcast a review. We've still got 92 of you on iTunes. We'd love to crack the triple-figure barrier. Uh, and then if you're not on iTunes, you can follow the podcast on Spotify, TuneIn or Stitcher. You'll get the podcasts added to your favourites as soon as they are available. We're also on all smart speakers, on Alexas, on Amazons, on Echoes. We're also on FanHub, like we mentioned. Just keep an eye on our social media accounts for our FanHub codes. And if you have an older relative, a loved one, or an orange chum who you think will like the podcast, please grab their phone, download it for them, and do not forget to pass the pod. So we'll be back Absolutely. next Sunday as normal. So tonight is a one-off for a Saturday recording. We'll be back to normal next week. Episode 243 coming to your airwaves next Sunday evening. We'll have all the information and views and hopefully, like Paul said, hopefully two wins, six points and hopefully a playoff place still in the realms of possibility that you could ever need from us. So we look forward to hearing from you and as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast up the o's with final countdown it's the final countdown